DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. Hello, and welcome to the Donald Thompson Podcast. I'm so excited about today's guest. I've had the chance to work with her in person for the last three years, and she's produced some of the most amazing, hilarious, and memorable videos for brands like Velcro, Chrysler, and AstraZeneca. She's a social media genius who's taken her talents from Ignite Social Media to Walk West, and now she's the CMO of Holderness Family Productions. Today's guest is my friend, Anne-Marie Tapke. We're talking about what it's like to have your work go viral, lessons that she learned from watching the great Kobe Bryant and social media strategy that we can all implement tomorrow. I'm also thrilled to announce that Anne-Marie has partnered with WalkWest to offer a new social media course through a combination of lectures, worksheets, and expert interviews. With this course, you'll master the art of crafting an effective social media strategy to make your brand successful. And if you go to social.walkwest.com before the end of July, you'll get 30% off. With that, let's get right to the conversation with Anne-Marie. She's a social media rock star, but she didn't exactly get her dream job right out of college. I got a job down here in cold call sales for financial <laughs> software. That's awesome. Guys, let me tell you, this was a, you know, a real, real good job for someone outgoing like me. It was a really dark time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why I share that is because I am a big believer that you have to look at experiences that you're in. And even if they're not what you thought they would be, and if even if you're miserable in them, there's lessons to be learned. Absolutely. And there's something to take away from that job. That job was very humbling. It taught me a lot of hustle. I mean, you had to hit so many calls in a day. I mean, That's you right. had to hustle every day. Um, and it really taught me some of the value of hard work, even though it was an awful job to have right out of school. And then after that, when that didn't work out, I started to get into social media. So social media wasn't something you could study when I went to school, um, which is interesting. So the digital space was not booming yet. Um, there was like, you know, I had one e-com class um, in college, and I thought maybe I would be a media planner, like I would just buy media for commercials or something. I, I didn't know what I would really be with that advertising and marketing degree. 
But when I saw this new space and I saw it kind of blooming, it was something that really kind of piqued my interest. And I would volunteer just to learn the platforms for different organizations, nonprofit groups, anyone who would let me touch their accounts. I was in, I was like running campaigns for them. I would do little giveaways and things just so I could learn waiting tables on the side. And that's when I fell into Ignite Social Media, Jim Tobin, who gave me a chance at having a job there, having just seen some of the merit I had done with these volunteer positions. No, that's awesome. And one of the things I wanted to segue to as we get into the career, you talked about Ignite. Uh, you spent some time here with us at, at Walk West. Yes. Uh, you now work for the Holderness family, their CMO. Yes. Tell me a little bit about as you've transitioned career-wise and then also worked with Chrysler on a lot of projects in the big three. So a lot of varied experience, a lot of varied companies. Tell me some of the takeaways either from leaders that you work with at the companies or projects that you're super proud about that you could bring that that insight to our, our audience. Absolutely. I, I did um, get to work not only on big brands here at Walk West, but also at Ignite Social Media. And I, I love the thrill of it. I mean, I've never done like hard drugs, but having a successful <laughs> campaign is like probably the closest thing I would think to like having like... It is a is euphoria, you guys. That's if you have a awesome. successful campaign, it's phenomenal. And what I learned was it was like a lot of, you know, watching other people and how they conduct themselves in, in business and things. And starting in the account role, I really got to learn how to work with clients, how to really connect with them. Um, in terms of what different leaders had taught me, I remember very early on, there was a woman named Deidre Bounds, who really um, showed me the value of, you know, relationships in business. And, and you know, she she was tough on me. She told me I was a paper pusher and I needed to really, awesome. really, you know, like lean in and get to know these people and connect. And I'm so grateful for that. And not not in a mean way. I mean, she's a very funny person. And so that was a big, that was a big lesson. Um, another is... Just seeing how, you know, some of our competitors in the space early on were doing campaigns and they felt very shallow. And that was when we had this mantra that, you know, we were really going to make sure that ours were meaningful. They had engagement. They had multiple touch points. And that's really what's blossomed into my theories that I've even taught at Wake Tech through the course on how you create an ecosystem with marketing, how you really let people dive down the rabbit hole, interact with your brand or your product, your launch, whatever it is, as much as they want. That's what the internet's for, right? Like we all have been down the rabbit hole. Right. And so why are you not doing that with your brand? I mean, it's so much more than just like creating ads and getting clicks and getting sales. I mean, you want people to really be ingrained in the product that you're selling. No, that is super good. One of the things when Anne-Marie and I work together on a more daily and regular basis, I remember being in a meeting with you and I was kind of hedging on giving you some feedback. And one of the things that I really just appreciated and helped our partnership, the way I would describe it, Blossom, and she just looked at me and she said, Don, tell it to me straight. I can take it. We can dialogue on it, right? If I agree, I'll, I'll, I'll work on it. If I disagree, we'll keep talking. But go <laughs> ahead and like, like, let's, like, let's talk, right? And a lot of times in this environment, I'll be honest, working with and learning how to work better with all different types of people, as a male supervisor with a hard edge, I'm a little more concerned about giving direct feedback that could be taken harsh by a female employee. And Anne-Marie met me as a leader and gave me that space. We were very professional in different things, but that helped develop a trust for us to do bigger things together. 
And I don't know if you remember that moment, but I do. I, I, you know, thank you for saying that. Yeah, no, I do remember that. And I am a big believer on just just being honest. And you can be honest without having to be cruel or, you know, angry or you you can be honest in a way that you really are trying to learn from what that person's thinking. I always want to know where I stand. I want to know where I stand with clients. I want to know where I stand with my boss. I want to know where I stand, you know, even with people who are beneath me that I'm helping lead and mentor. I want to know, you know, are there things going on that are bothering you or uh, what what could I be doing better? What could we be doing better as an organization? If you don't know where you stand, that's where you lose the business. I mean, it, it, like it's very easy if you're not getting that feedback from somebody. So you said a couple things that are powerful for our, our audience from a personal and professional. If you're not getting that feedback, if you don't know where you stand, you could be losing the business. But then that also delves into some of the critical elements of social media and really try, fail, and adjust. Mm-hmm. and testing and those feedback loops. Give me some direction on some of your thinking around social media best practices yeah. and, and how we need to be super creative and willing to try new things. Yeah, absolutely. So I love I love social media and I love it for brands and even personal brands so much because it's really like a real-time focus group all the time. If you're willing to have you know your mind open, you're open to feedback, you're open to even looking at things that are off your channel of how people are talking about you or maybe talking about your competitors, talking about people like you if this is your personal brand, it's really helpful. I mean, you're getting that all the time versus if we didn't have that, I mean, what would you be doing? You'd be like trying to find people in the street, right? And this is like at your at your fingertips all the time. Now, sometimes um, it's hard, I think, for organizations that are moving quickly to stop and take time to look at that. But that's one reason why I love it. Another reason why I love it is because it is so honest and transparent. And the brands that are doing that well, and even when they make a mistake, are owning up to it. You know, those are the brands where I think people uh, have more affinity for. It's so easy to see when someone is being fake, when someone is not addressing a problem. It's it's really easy to pinpoint that. And we all like have basically a radar for it now. We're like, oh, like they don't really care. I remember like United Airlines a couple years back when they uh, relocated, and I'm doing air quotes, they relocated a passenger, aka they dragged him off a plane. Like <laughs> right. who wrote that press release? That was awful. I was like, well, um, okay, like self-awareness much? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone in social sees through that. And so it can be a little scary, I think, especially for like regulated industries to be open, honest, transparent for people who come from old school of, you know, keep everything very politically correct. You know, don't admit when you make a mistake, try to keep it positive. But I think the space is changing. I mean, that's what people are craving. They want that human touch to the brand. They want to know it's a person on the other side, not like a robot. No, that's super powerful. One of the examples that I remember that that you worked on in a very significant way was the Velcro campaign and project that Walk West put together. Take the audience through that project. Take the audience how we leveraged creative storytelling through video, through song, and really the impact in terms of the distribution is that social media launch planning. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, You can have a great launch plan. And if you don't have a great, I think, nugget of an idea or something that you really can lean into, sometimes it falls flat. And luckily with the Velcro campaign, one of the things that we did was when we were given the problem of like, essentially, Velcro companies wants people to stop saying Velcro, which gives you pause. You're like, I don't think I understand. And one lesson people can take away from that was we were very confused, P.S., by this ask when we first got it. I felt like we were in our very first brainstorm 
like just trying to research the issue because we didn't fully understand it. And that is another, you know, kind of crux that people fall into where they're in it all day, every day. They forget sometimes the layperson just hearing something for the first time. Yep. If you were confused when you first heard it, then someone else is going to be. And, you know, once we understood it, we had some really cute ideas. We had like, a, you know, they want them to call it the hook and loop fastener. So like one idea that hit the cutting room floor was like this buddy con- like hook and loop. And they were like <laughs> people and like they were each going to have Twitter accounts and like banter at each other. And that was like that was that did not obviously make the, the cut. But the creative genius of Penn Holderness who helped with that concept and that song was like, let's really lean into like, this is ridiculous. Like this is a first world problem. No one else is like worried about this in other countries that have a lot more to worry about. And it's confusing. So like, let's lean into that. Let's not shy away. And I think that's what made it so successful was this brand was super self aware. And thank goodness, we had a client that was willing to take a risk. And that's half the battle is getting your client on board with you. There was enough trust that they were, you know, able to take that leap with us. But, you know, we had singing lawyers. We and these actors we cast were phenomenal. Yep. And they're all local, I which mean, I love so much. Myself, like, you're like, what? Like- <laughs> you're like, what is happening here? I mean, it was a very a la the style of We Are the World from the 80s, like a benefit that we're trying to do. And then what was really cool about that is um, when I was younger, I studied um, improv comedy. And that's also helped me a lot with my marketing because I like to look at an idea mm. and say yes and, which I know is a very trite phrase that everyone says now. But I, I like to look at something and say like, yes, and with this singing song, like we could also do like video responses in song form or we could do something else off of that. We could pull threads out of that idea and start to create that rabbit hole, that ecosystem experience. So we did. The launch plan was awesome. I mean, not only did we have a coordinated effort with PR and a couple of other partners that were also with Velcro companies, we like created a lot of longevity with the campaign. The video came out. There was a really cool interactive website. A couple days later, we went and found people who were mentioning the brand name wrong. We did video musical responses to them. We did 21 in one day. We had a war room, didn't we? We had a war room. It was like a Twitter takeover. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And like, this is the euphoria. Like, it's like coming off of that. I remember going to the bar afterwards with the client being like, oh, this was so great. And we used the very, um, you know, Detroit in me style of an assembly line. I mean, that's how we got this out is everyone pretty much had one to two jobs. That's all you had to focus on. And that was able how we were able to crank out 21 in one day. And people people loved it. People ate it up. They thought it was fabulous. We did a couple of other things too, but those were the big pillars. One of the things is when you look at social media from a CEO or CMO point of view, creative looks great. Video is fun. But what are the results that I can look to to understand that this campaign had real value? Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't remember all the details offhand, but I think we were up to like a billion impressions Right. Anderson Cooper highlighted our video on his show. And there were probably I don't know if you remember any other other metrics, but it was very significant in terms of both the organic reach and then also the engagement. Right. That people had with the brand based on the way that we not only created the creative, but the social media construct around it, which was was super cool and something that you should be super proud of. One of the things that people ask is, what if I don't have a full team and I'm the marketer of one? How do I get educated 
on social media. You mentioned a minute ago that, that you taught a class at Wake Tech, so you can talk about that a little bit. But how do I get spun up? And what are some of the platforms I should focus on as a marketer of one? Yeah, ooh, one man band. That is, it is, it is hard. So yeah, let me back up. So the class, you, you could engage with, you know, a local institution, community colleges, see if there's anything that is available to you, at least depending on what level you are, there might be, you know, introductory classes, intermediate classes, there might even be advanced classes that can help just bring your edge up. I mean, the more you can get educated and comfortable with something, you know, like ad platforms and, and things of that nature, the faster you're going to move as as a one man band marketer. Um, another thing you can do is there are are a lot of, you know, I hate to discount it because if you're getting it from an d- instructor, it is going to be more valuable. But if you're really strapped, you don't have much of a budget either. I mean, there's a lot you can learn just by going through looking for people who are giving information away, tips away through YouTube. There's also even some of the larger, you know, Ivy League even universities who give away like kind of pop-up courses for like $30. It's not going to be a full-fledged semester. But it might be an hour or two of something um, that you can learn from. Even just going on like a free webinar, like before they're trying to sell you the thing, there's usually one or two nuggets you can grab out of those. I still do that. I find webinars like very soothing. I don't know. That and tech demos, like if I need to calm down, I just go on a tech demo. (laughs) I'm so weird. But like you can usually get something out of those. And even just like finding people who are prominent. Scott Monty is someone I follow that kind of he's up on the trades and what's going on. So I don't know if that's helpful. But really, you can find a lot online um, if if you look around. Or finding somebody, I've done this before, finding somebody that you admire in the space, even if you just LinkedIn stock and you're like, that person has a cool job. They do social media. I want to learn more about that. Take them to coffee. Take them to lunch. Mm, I that's great. had somebody recently who I just thought their job sounded cool. I wanted to know more about what they did. And we met for coffee and it was really, really cool. No, a couple things I'll just piggyback on, so to speak. One is coffee is an inexpensive way to get great knowledge. And a lot of times the folks that will ask me for, for a cup of coffee that I appreciate the most are those that will pull information for things that I know well or mistakes that I've made that I can pass on that learning, but also share something back. Whether it's a contact or an opportunity, it is really a networking coffee when both people gain value, right, from that time spent. One of the things, back to education for a minute, that we're working on and that you've you've worked on, talk a little bit about the building out of the social media course that Walk West did in partnership with Wake Tech. Absolutely. It was it's still one of the things I'm so proud about so far in my career and very cool to pass on knowledge. It's interesting. I think people fall into a little bit, especially in the digital space, a little bit like an imposter syndrome thinking like I really know that much or everyone knows what I know. And in teaching the course just for me on a personal note, it, that is so not true. I mean, we had what was it like 90 hours of course like time that we taught like right. that is that's a lot. Yes. A full semester. So what was really cool about that from a marketing standpoint was being able to take a student through the whole experience to not only educate them on platforms, to take them through what we thought was the right way to do campaigns, the right way to do ads, the right way to structure a customer life cycle. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's like we felt like we are doing a service to the industry in teaching these people things, you know, and, and telling them not to take shortcuts and to really dive in and, and right. be meaningful and and be caring with the work that you're doing as a as a marketer. So that was really neat. I mean, we got to touch on all different facets of marketing. Uh, 
we got to take them through like a crisis situation of, you know, how do you handle a social media crisis? What things do you need for a war room? How do you run one successfully? And we, we did simulations around that. We brought in real businesses and had them, especially mm. startups who don't have a lot of money, who they're like the one man band times 10 because they're the business owner and they're trying to do like 75 different jobs. They were able to create a full plan, a full rollout for them in terms of uh, social media marketing. So it was really, really meaningful work. One of the things that has transpired, and we want our listeners to know that this is available, we believe that everybody deserves great marketing and independent of the size of organization that you're a part of. And so we're going to be taking that course content and bringing it online. And we really want to make sure that the knowledge that we're building, that we share. And one of the things that I'm very much a proponent of is that people that are strong enough, courageous enough to start their own business that we make tools available that they can really succeed. And social media is a pretty a pretty important tool. Anne-Marie, there's a dark side of social media. You kind of mentioned it, but I want to get into it. The naysayers, whether you're working on a farmer project and you have folks that are anti-vax, mm-hmm. uh, whether you have people that uh, go onto your brand and uh, no matter what you say, how you say it, they've got some kind of negative overtone to it. There are people that are trying to push forward political agendas and different things on social How do you combat that negative side to social media, number one, and then why is it still worth it? Like some people are afraid to put themselves out there because of the negative associated with it. Yeah, it can be really intimidating, very intimidating, that side of social media. I always steal a note out of Jay Bayer's book, which is called Hug Your Haters, which is a couple years old, but it really has principles in it that hold up. And you have to address everybody. I mean, even if there is... A lot of negativity. I mean, as long as it's not vulgar, you know, using a lot of profanity. I mean, maybe even if it is, you you have to kind of have that touch point. There's different types of complainers, too, by the way. Okay. There are people who, you know, they just want to be heard. There's people that no matter what you say, you know, it's not going to work. And then there's people that genuinely are telling you this because even if it's coming off in a hateful way, because they want you to take action, they want you to change and improve. So it's important to make everyone feel heard, even that person that's going to like, no matter what, they're just never going to be happy. Gotcha. It's important to address that with everybody. Now, there's principles in that where there's only so many touch points that you do. You know, you try to take things offline if you can and remedy them there. A lot of people do that within the service industry. And then there's also some really interesting strategies. So especially if you have a local business or you have a product, there's ways that you actually can turn your haters into helpers. And this is something that Jay Bayer teaches. I hope I'm not like giving too much away. This is genius, though. He tells a story about a woman who was like, you know, a friend of his that had a coffee shop and this woman just like berated them online. Never had anything nice to say. Always said the place was awful, da 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 So this person flipped it on its head and was like, you have an eye for something we're not seeing. You are now going to be basically like our secret shopper. And we have a bunch of different locations. And I'm going to give you this gift card that I'm going to reload every month. And your job is once a week to go into each of these locations and you tell me what you see. And I mean, this empowered this woman. I mean, clearly she had a lot to say. She kept going back because she kept finding things wrong, you know? So that's just, I mean, you can't do that with everybody. But let's say it's a product, you have an e-commerce business and someone's just, you know, bagging on you. You know, why not send them something for free and say, hey, we want you to test this and we really do want to improve and be better. I mean, chances are someone, people love to share that kind of stuff online too. And just to see that you are listening, you are open to feedback, you're humble as a brand and you do want to learn and get better. I think those are really cool strategies to um, implement. That is really powerful. And I'm thinking as I 
learn and listen to you. That also works as business leaders with your employees, mm-hmm. right? Because where people have things that they're not quite excited about and you give them a role and an opportunity to help you fix it, right? And you turn that negative communication or conversation into as positive a trend and as big a learning experience as can be. And I think that is as much mindset as anything else. And that's super powerful. One of the things that you're doing now that I want to get into is you're working with one of the most uh, influential and sought out after influencer couples uh, in the nation. Tell me why you did that, why you accepted (laughs) the role and and a little background on that. And a few things that you're learning industry-wide about working with and for influencers. Absolutely. So yes, I am CMO of Holderness Family Productions. I work with the Holderness family, Penn and Kim Holderness. They are just like what you see on video. And I think that's what (laughs) makes my job really easy is they are genuine people. You know, they're real people. They don't have egos or airs about them. I have actually known them for quite a while. So before I joined Walk West, I was at a company called Green Room Communications, Mm -hmm. which then merged with Walk West. And I had been working with them there. And actually, it goes back even further than that. I used to be on the news at Ignite near the end of my tenure there. And I would actually go on with Penn quite often. And we talk about social media. Awesome. That's kind of how he found me. But, it, you know, it's not a decision that I think I, – I think that I had to go through all of the things I've done up until this point or else I would not be, I, don't, I think, as successful as what I'm doing now. And the thing right. I enjoy the most about their personal brand is, you know, people see them, but what they don't see is that there's there's a whole business. There's a whole production company behind it. And mm. I get to really flex a fun, you know, business strategy muscle that I haven't been able to before because on the agency side, you can try to influence that, but you're not – not necessarily the brand manager. You're not the one keeping that, making those calls. And now, you know, that I am on the other side of things, it's really fun to say, like, let's expand. Let's get you guys out of the video player. Let's do some really fun and cool things and then actually go forth and do those things. So I've, I've really been enjoying my time here. It was an easy decision to make when they asked me only because I've known them for so long. Yeah. I know how genuine they are. Um, and they have a really fun brand. I have a really fun job. It's funny. I'll like tell my mom what I'm doing this week. And she just like, I can hear her shaking her head through the phone. And I'm like, I know, mom, I have a super fun job. I'm, I'm shooting a silly video today. But yeah, it's great. When you think about, and I echo what you're saying about Penn and Kim and, and now working with them more closely from a, from a business standpoint on a few things, they are genuine. Mm-hmm. And that comes back to marketing in general. And so I want to ask you, how do brands keep and maintain that authenticity in their social media communication when volume is important in social media? Mm-hmm. Staying in front of consumers and engagement, how do you keep it fresh Yeah, when you've got to be there so much? Yeah. So one thing you can do is you can um, really divide that task out. You can identify people at your organization, even if it's small, people who are good ambassadors, good spokespeople mm-hmm. for your company. And you can you know, give them a role in that. You can do takeovers, things where people are helping create that content for your channel. Or even just having employees, you know, take more behind the scenes, these authentic looks at what the business is doing in a meeting, on the production floor, you know, whatever you are doing. I think it's easy to get the volume that you need and not lose authenticity when you divvy that out and you allow people to also help share in communicating that message. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to switch a little bit personally. Sure. Uh, How many kids do you have? I have three. Married? Yes. So your husband is a business owner. You have three kids. You've got a super cool job, like you are a rock star, right? Talk to our audience a little bit about 
how do you blend all of it together? Yeah. Right? This is a very diverse set of things that you're trying to be excellent at at the same time. Yeah. And P.S. Like you're not going to be good at all of them all the time. This is like a bad this is I don't even know if I should give this piece of advice, but I had an old <laughs> boss tell me he was like, you know, just like keep a little score and then like just shortchange everyone equally. That's how you balance like work. <laughs> <laughs> just keep a little score like you worked late that night so like then you're gonna leave early this day anyway i i don't i don't subscribe so much to that although it still sticks in my mind it's funny the things you remember and like that was such a one-off conversation awesome. so how do you be good at everything at once well one thing is that in my career i've actually there's been times i've taken steps back i've reduced my hours i've still tried to keep my foot in the door but i've you know maybe decided okay i'm only gonna work so many days a week or i want to take a you know semi-part-time role for a little while while my kids are young it's funny because those always lead to like very quickly. I'm just a very passionate person. So I feel like that lasts for a little while. And then it's like, okay, I'm back doing like 40 hours because I can't help myself. Yeah. Especially when you're a creative person. It's really hard when you're creative and like you're driving to carpool. And then all of a sudden you have a great idea. Like you go home and you're like banging it out on the laptop and you realize like, crap, I have to make dinner. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> it's really hard. Like sometimes it like the struggle is real. But let me go back to your question. That's so, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you can't be good at everything all at once. I do try to compartmentalize. Actually, shortly after my daughter was born in 2015, my husband and I watched Kobe Bryant's documentary. And I like – didn't really follow the NBA that much. Like early 2000s, like Chauncey Billups, Tayshaun Prince, like that whole Pistons team, like I'm down. I love you guys. Um, but I did not follow like past that PS. And definitely not. I'm not following the Lakers. Are you joking? So I didn't know much. And when I watched this documentary, we watched it together while I was on maternity leave. This huge light bulb went off because I, I mean, the late Kobe Bryant taught me like the whole, the Black Mamba, you know, outlook and the way that he compartmentalized anything that was going on in his personal life and he left it and he would go onto the floor. I really took that to heart. And that's one of the ways I've been able to bounce back after having a baby and, and really like try to make sure that, you know, yes, I'm stressed out because now we have another kid or my husband's starting a business or, you know, I'm still breastfeeding. I might not be making enough. They're going through a gross birth. They're not sleeping. And I try to compartmentalize that whole mantra, that whole outlook that he had, where he was able to really focus at work on the court. And so I try to really focus, like be present where I am, really try to lock out anything else that's bothering me. But then I tried to do that on the flip side, too. I mean, if I'm home, I really try to make sure, make an effort that I'm present, that I'm there, that I'm, you know, being attentive. I'm not checking my email every five minutes on my phone. It's so easy. It's such an easy habit to fall into. And then I also have a great partner. I mean, my husband's awesome. And you know Steve. I do. I do. I'm and smiling. so, I mean, there's I mean, weeks where, like, he's doing laundry and he's doing <laughs> grocery shopping. I mean, there's no shame in that. Like, we both chose to be parents. And so, we're he's a good teammate. That is super good. I mean, you said a, a bunch of amazing nuggets throughout. The thing that most of us are challenged with that are parents and, and married, and everybody's not. And we'll, we'll talk about that in, in, or I'll talk about that in a minute. But for a lot of people chasing their goals and dreams, just because you have kids or just because you're also married doesn't mean you're not ambitious. Mm -hmm. And we're all fighting for the space to be that individual in a team game, which when you're part of a family, right? And not losing yourself uh, in the process of doing these things for other people. And I'm super proud of, of what you're accomplishing and, and what you're becoming. And the, the cool thing about my role in business and the things I get to see is is I get to see people really evolve and grow and and cheer for them and, and maybe help just a little bit along the way. 
And it's just one of the neatest things of all time. If someone is starting a personal brand, they're starting a new business, right? Because yep. a lot of your experience has been <laughs> with larger organizations, but you also help people that are just starting things from the ground up. Yeah. What are some of the things or pieces of advice you would give to people in their marketing in general, social media maybe, when they're building a new company and whatever that company may be, to get their name out, to, you know, our business cards still matter, right? Does a website still matter if everything's on, on Facebook? What are just some nuggets you might advise? Yeah, absolutely. So you can't be at all places all the time, especially if yeah. you're the one-man band. You need to be really prescriptive about where you think your target audience is, the people you're trying to reach, and you don't need to be on every single channel. Um, that's one thing we would teach in the course was to have a hierarchy of social channels. And there might be some that you just leave on the cutting room floor. It doesn't make sense for you to be there. Another thing, too, is that you know, you're only going to get back what you put in. So you know, if you are engaging with others, commenting on things, sharing other things, chances are your stuff eventually will also get bubbled up by those same people. They'll see you enough. So it's really important to not just be throwing things always into the void, but social media, I feel like, was created for a two-way conversation. And even as a brand or as a personal brand, you have to always remember that. You have to really talk with the other person and not just at them. That is, I mean, you said a lot of powerful antidotes. And the one thing I would just, you know, as I think about my brand, as I think about my goals and different things, is being a part of a conversation with people that are engaging with you. Mm -hmm. And I've seen LinkedIn is kind of my jam. Right. I use Facebook for like funny things I'm thinking, things that are ridiculous, yeah. whatever. Right. <laughs> but for business, Facebook to me seems more social in what I'm doing. But LinkedIn, I take serious in terms of the kind of messaging I'm trying to put out and the kind of brand I'm trying to build. And LinkedIn is still a place where business is being done. It's not really overrun by ads completely. People right. are having still good business dialogue and trying to share their message of how they can help new clients. When you look at the social media landscape, is there anything new, any new platforms that you think matter? Mm. You know, I get that question a lot. I also get like, okay, what's new? And then I also get like, what, what, what do you read or consume so you know what's new? Here's the thing. I do like to be up to date on tech stuff, but I do, I mean, and I like to read other people's theories. I don't like kill myself to to do that because I think one thing is social media is very driven too by our um, cultural perspective at the time. So there's a lot of things, there's clues you can take and pick up on if you're big and like kind of knowing what's new in terms of what people are watching, what they're listening to, what they're consuming, what pop culture things are going on. Um, not that you have to also kill yourself there, but I also look for little clues. So for a long time, you know, I think people were saying, and I, it is true that social media was going, you know, away from just being broadcast and more of these smaller niche groups are popping up and, you know, Facebook groups are very prominent, people doing private channels. I think there is a pendulum swing um, kind of going a little bit away. And I'm interested to see what happens with Facebook in the next couple of years, because I think at some point it will probably go away. And I don't think that's a scary thing for people in social media because it'll be probably replaced with something else and we'll all just learn and we'll adapt. And I mean, like, I mean, if we we're all sitting here being like, you know, MySpace is never going to die. Like, I mean, it, it's going to die. <laughs> it, it like, something will happen. It's just evolution. Things are going to change. Or maybe it'll be around. It'll be something completely new. So it, it's nice to know, you know, what's going on, but then also using those clues in pop culture. So maybe this is just top of mind right now for me, but like Love is Blind. Oh, my gosh. Do you know about this? Mm -mm. Okay. Talk to me. Netflix show. They talk through like uh, basically a wall. They don't see each other. And they decide from that if they're going to get engaged and get married, having never seen each other before, to Yo. find out if love is really blind. 
this will if i i am That's actually cool. like scared that i've introduced this to you like this will wreck your weekend like <laughs> donald's gonna be really busy watching love is blind but okay here's the interesting part they you know these people are just like over tinder they're over like the whole you know just like swipe right like oh if this doesn't work out i have 20 other matches waiting for me it's so superficial right and so there's a thing that people were talking about in it. It's like all this genuine connection, you know, people like getting rid of small talk, getting down to issues, like having meaningful conversations. And any news outlet that you turn on, like CNN, even like USA Today, someone's written about this. So it's interesting to pull out clues like that, right? Where it's like, huh. I would I would not be surprised if like a Love is Blind-esque dating app pops up tomorrow. Like, so it's interesting to see those pop culture clues and like how is something like that and the mantra of people feeling that way and being frustrated with the current situation going to influence other social channels down the road? You know, how are we going to, you know, get rid of the highlight reel, get more real, get more meaningful with people? And so I always look for stuff like that because I think that those are clues to where we're headed. I mean, I, I can't recap all of that, right? Like one one thing you described was in terms of authenticity for brands is distributing uh, the work, right? So fresh ideas stay prevalent. But the overarching theme is that things are going to forever change mm -hmm. and look for clues, right, to be on that next wave, right? Uh, Gary uh, Vanderchuk, is that how you say it? Yeah. Gary V. So certainly a popular marketer, does amazing stuff on social. One of the things that I like that he does is he usually has nuggets that are reasonably actual, actionable, excuse me, not actual, like he's lies all the time. <laughs> he's reasonably He's accurate. reasonably actual. <laughs> <laughs> actionable. And one of the things that, uh, that I heard recently is he was talking about authenticity and tell people something you learned that day. Right. And I, and I was like, you know what? That's cool. Cause we're all learning something new every day. We're all looking at clues. And that's a simple way in the social media platform, right? To be real. And a lot of times we try to create in the social space this, this superficial aura of perfection in our lives, perfection in our brand or our company, right? We don't talk about, I was talking to a potential partner came in. But I was joking with one of our folks about a client that fired us. And he was like, he was kind of taken aback. I was like, yeah, I said, we got enough of them that the lights stay on, but some of them don't think we were amazing, right? Like we, yeah. we did some things that, that didn't work out great and we had to learn from them. And so how do you grow a company from a couple hundred thousand dollars to where we are now from a Walk West standpoint without try failing and adjusting? And that authenticity is what creates your story. And people only believe stories that are real or that have that real feel to them. Last question from, from me, and it's, it's more macro. Uh, if you had a magic wand, what would you change about our world? Oh, my gosh. That's like the deepest question ever, Donald. I have to <laughs> really think about that. Wow. That is really deep. If I had a magic wand, you know what? If I had a magic wand, I would – I just would want there to be more increased understanding and empathy. Like, I feel like a lot of struggles in our world and people having animosity toward each other and not understanding different cultures, different backgrounds. I think if people took the time to really listen and understand that we wouldn't have as many problems as we do. So that that's what I would do. I would just bestow on everyone the under, understanding to yeah. be – to just treat each other better, you know, Um I don't know if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, it, it's I, I would agree with you. I, I, I just think that one of the things with social media, one of the things with media in general is unfortunately people like train wrecks a lot. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I'll read social media and uh, my phrase is, you know, digital tough guys. Right. People are way more aggressive on social media than they are in, in person. Right. 100%. Like the smack talk is like really, really heavy. And I'm like, man, 
I do not remember you being that super tough <laughs> when we were in college, right? You know what I mean? Or whatever, friends that, that, that you know. And it creates a super aggressive discourse that everyone's taking kind of really stands without looking at another point of view. And so while I'm a big fan of marketing, obviously, and I'm a big fan of social media, to your point on the magic wand, I think if we took a step back and kind of looked at the other people that are on the other end of the statements you're making, we'd be a little bit more uh, gracious with each other. Totally. You know, as as we do. Uh, any parting? Oh, good. Oh, yeah, no, no. no. I, just digital tough guys. Though, yeah, yeah. Too. I don't want people to feel like um, sometimes I think people just feel so like discouraged by like, oh, the way our world is and da, da, da. P.S. Like digital tough guys like those have been like around since like the dawn of time. Like <laughs> newspapers used to basically be Facebook. They used to like tell you the news of the town and like people were mean in them, P.S. And so like like it's been going on forever and I'm sure people that wrote mean things back in like the yeah, X number point. hundreds, whatever it was, or like old books and like, you know, then I'm sure they would say different things to their face. So like it is, there's a lot of things that it's like tales old this time. So people shouldn't feel super discouraged by that. They should Very find ways point. to combat it. But yeah, I think that's interesting. Final question. You, you, you paused a, another thought. When you look back through your career, what's one, of the, one or two of the things like you're just most proud of? Mm-hmm. And then the second piece is what's a turning point moment in your career? Ooh, ooh, okay. I'm going to answer the last one first. A turning point moment in my career probably was getting out of, I mean, to take it all the way back, getting out of that cold call sales situation. I was like, it was a depressing time in my life. I'm not trying to get like super, super uh, dramatic. Yeah. But I mean, like I was waiting tables. I would like basically cry in my car before my shift because I thought it was such a failure. I was like in my early 20s. Everyone's life's amazing. P.S. Facebook highlight reel, you know, and and I'm here I am like waiting tables with my college degree and just feeling like a failure doing volunteer work. I mean, and so then, you know, having someone take a chance on me and really launching the whole trajectory of my career when I did take that job with Ignite, I can never thank um, Jim Tobin enough for for taking that that chance on someone who basically didn't have a lot of experience and just liked my personality, liked my outlook, liked, you know, the way I was basically hustling at mm-hmm. that current time. It's awesome. So that was really cool. Things that I'm most proud of, I mean, the Velcro campaign is something I'm very, very proud of. Even before that, there was a major campaign I worked on with Jeep called the Arctic Yeti Dig. And I'm very, very proud of that. That was the first time I ever did a large scale campaign. That's it had awesome. an event component at the X Games. I mean, Good you, you couldn't bring me down off that euphoria. I was like having a beer at 10 in the morning when it was done, just so I could <laughs> calm down. My team's like, you are like on another planet right now. You need to calm yourself down. We're all happy. We're all happy. So that's a, a big thing. And then, you know, I am really proud of, I guess, where I am now. I think when I was younger, I wasn't a super great mentor, leader. I mean, I didn't really know how to do those things. And I've, I've stumbled along the way and trying to make sure that I've gotten better. And I just feel like, you know, really secure in that now, having been an educator and doing these things now and feeling very confident. I hate the phrase, fake it till you make it. It should be more like, believe that you can make it. So like, even if you don't necessarily have the tools right now, have the confidence that you're going to get those tools. Like, Mm. that is how, that's how you should have your outlook. And so being a CMO now and um, just feeling like I've helped influence other people's paths and I'm helping now shape a business. um, It's really exciting. I'm really happy about where I am. I got nothing to add. That is a perfect way to end our conversation. I I learned something from, you know, Anne-Marie and I still talk about once a month, mm-hmm. more than that, but for sure once a month. And we don't really have an agenda. 
we just say, hey, what's up with you? What's up? And then we, we I tell them about up, love is blind. Yeah, exactly right. right. <laughs> and we and we learn something. It, it, I'll speak for myself. Like I get something, a nugget that's meaningful. And one thing I would encourage our listeners as you grow your careers and chase your dreams and, and grow your families is just take that cup of coffee and keep getting out and about with other smart and talented people and share and learn information. And you can never have enough smart, creative, thoughtful, giving people in your life. And Anne-Marie is one of those people for me, and I mean that in a sincere way. And I always want to be able to give back and continue to grow and chase our dreams. So thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for having me. You can't stop me. Nothing's going to stand in my way. Nothing. Nothing. I'm going to fly higher. I'm going to fly Thanks for listening, everyone. As a reminder, the course that Anne-Marie and I talked about, which provides you the philosophy and the tools needed to have a successful brand on social media so that you can master the art of crafting an effective social media strategy is available at social.walkwest.com. And sign up by the end of July for 30% off. This podcast is edited and produced by Earfluence. If you're looking for more information on how full-service podcast production can amplify your voice, build your community, visit earfluence.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon on the Donald Thompson Podcast.